by determining at the decisions that they make. Wise people always make wise decisions and foolish people make foolish decisions. It's the choices that we are confronted with in life that will determine whether we are wise or foolish. And in life, daily, we are presented and confronted with a myriad of opportunities to make either wise or foolish decisions. So this morning, we want to observe how these women of Christmas made the right choices and apply the lessons that we learned from them so that we too could live wisely. Well, the first wise woman of Christmas was Elizabeth. And we learn about Elizabeth in chapter 1 as we read Luke's account of the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Luke ensures that we know that both Zacharias, who generally speaking is the character that we focus on, but Luke tells us in Luke chapter 1 that both of them were good people and pleased the Lord by obeying all that he had commanded them. Even though Zacharias had a public role as a priest, his wife was a, a homemaker, a woman of the house who took care of the home. But Luke wants us to know that she was no less important in the sight of God because the scripture is clear that they both pleased the Lord. God was pleased with her life as well as he was pleased with the life of Zacharias. And Christian friends, I don't think that there is anything that we could uh, look to achieve more in our lives than this, to live a life that is pleasing to God. You might have your goal set before you that you want to earn this much money or you want to achieve this kind of status in life or you want to have this kind of home, that kind of car, this kind of wardrobe. People spend their life, their resources, their energies in seeking after those things. But there is nothing, nothing, nothing in life that is more important than having a life that is pleasing to the Lord. That is the definition of godliness. Living a life that is pleasing to God. And how do we do that? Well, the scripture tells us by walking in obedience to his commandments. And when we do, we can be paid no higher compliment than to be said of us, Jack is a man who pleases the Lord. Stephen is a man who pleases the Lord. Courtney is a woman who pleases the Lord. Do we, do we want that said of our lives? Well, how serious then are we to saying, Lord, I want to walk in obedience to your commandments. You see, you just don't arrive at that status because you're saved. You don't arrive at that status because you come to church on Sunday morning. You arrive at that status because you live your life in such a way that you say, is this thought pleasing to God? Is this ambition pleasing to God? Are these words pleasing to God? And when we live with that kind of attitude, when we say with David, I have set the Lord always before me, we live our life recognizing that Jesus is looking at us 
and we want to please him. But we learn that Elizabeth was carrying a lifelong heartache and hurt, for the Bible tells us in verse 7 that she and Zacharias had no children. And you know this morning that hurt was felt much more keenly because these were a couple who believed in the power of prayer. Oh, if you pray, you will get what you are asking for. But their prayers remained unanswered. And you could be sure that the enemy was whispering in their ears throughout the years, what kind of God are you serving? You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you never had a baby. When you hear that kind of rationalization from the enemy, if you buy into it, you can easily become embittered. You can easily become resentful. Elizabeth could have said, God, my husband and I have been godly. We've been obedient to your word. We, we tried to please you in every way. And we've prayed and prayed and prayed. And yet, you've never answered our prayer and brought us the baby that we so longed for. You know, in life, there are so many opportunities to succumb to that temptation, to become hurt, to become embittered by the lot that has been given us in life. Is there something today that you've been praying for for a very long time and yet you're still waiting for that answer? In these kinds of scenarios, the temptation is to resent. Why the delay? Why has not God answered? But Elizabeth did not get mad at God. She did not become resentful. She did not become embittered. And we need to know today that living for God means that we're not always going to have an easy road to travel. We've never been, been given any kind of guarantee that we will live pain-free lives. Jesus himself said, in this world, where are we? We're in this world. You will have trouble. Sometimes you think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to float to heaven on a bed of ease. You study the record of the scripture, the greatest apostle who ever lived suffered more than any man other than Jesus Christ. You read the account of it. Who was more sold out to Jesus than the apostle Paul? Yet he was in persecutions and afflictions and beatings and shipwrecks and hunger and thirst and sorrow. You, I mean, the litany of what he describes his life was like. And yet it was full of the glory of God. Because when you know Jesus, you could get through those hard places because you know he's a friend who sticks closer than any brother and that all things are working together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, we're in this world. We're not in heaven yet. In heaven, there is no sorrow. In heaven, there is no suffering, no sadness, no problem, no pressure, no pain, no disappointment, no tears, and no loss. But we're not in heaven. We're on this earth, and this earth is broken. Everything is broken. But we live our life in faith, for the just shall live by faith. So let's get back to the story. Once while Zacharias was serving 
God in the temple, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord Gabriel came and visited him and says, Zacharias, your persistent prayers have been heard. Now? Now? <laughs> Couldn't they have been answered 20 years ago, 30 years ago? 40 years ago when, when Elizabeth was able to conceive and have a baby? Now? But as we examine the life of Elizabeth and Zacharias, they never gave up praying. During those childbearing years, they continued in prayer. They persisted in prayer. Do you know why it's important for us to persist in prayer? Because even though the answer does not come, it does not mean that God is not hearing. It does not mean that God is not remembering. It does not mean that God is not securing our tears and keeping them in his bottle. And in his time and in his way, the answer will come. Does not Jesus tell us that if we ask and keep on asking, that in our asking we will receive? That we are to seek and keep on seeking because when we keep on seeking, we shall find. And we are to knock and keep on knocking for when we do, the door shall be opened because God promises in his time we will receive the reward for the answers to our prayers. The problem with us as Christians is we become so weak and so discouraged and after we pray for just a short while, well, I guess God's not going to answer that prayer. Well, who said he wasn't going to answer it? God always answers. It's yes, no, or wait. And for Elizabeth and Zacharias, the answer was wait. And when Gabriel visited Zechariah, we read in verse 20, and I love this verse, every word that I have told you will happen at just the right time. And there's the answer, at just the right time. It's so important for us to understand the timing of God is always perfect and if we are to be wise people like Elizabeth and Zechariah, then we will wait on God's timing and we will trust him when there are delays in our life. Because the Bible tells us in verse 24, sometime later, sometime later, Elizabeth became pregnant. What an absolute supernatural miracle this was. To think that Elizabeth lived for years, enduring the stigma, because in those days, if you didn't have a baby, you were considered cursed of God. But she has that baby in God's time. And listen to what she says. This is what the Lord has done for me. He has looked on me and taken away my shame from among men. Here's what we need to understand. Though Elizabeth must have been so disappointed every time another month rolled by and she realized that she wasn't pregnant, God had a different plan for Elizabeth. She wanted a baby, but God wanted her to be the mother of the greatest human being outside of Jesus Christ who ever lived. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about it. She just wanted a baby. But God says, Elizabeth, 
I'm going to make you the mother. That's what Jesus said of John the Baptist. Of those born of women, none are greater than John the Baptist, who became the forerunner of Jesus Christ. But in order for John to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, he couldn't be born 30 years before Jesus. He had to be about the same age so that he could do the job that God called him to do. So when Elizabeth sees the plan, the providence, the purposes of God, she gets it, she understands that God's delays are not denials. Christian friends this morning, understand God's delays are not denials. I know you've waited, you've longed, you've cried, you've sought, you've prayed, and the answer still has not come. God's delays are not denials. We need to learn the difference. And here's the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian. A mature Christian understands the difference between no and not yet. Because so many of us, when we think the answer's no, we become resentful. Become bitter. God, I've served you. I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. Why aren't you answering me? These are not God's denials. They're just God's timing is different. And he delays because he has bigger and better plans for our lives. You know, we only see in the temporal. But God sees in the eternal. And that which he has purposed for each and every one of us in eternity past before we were even born. Will we walk and surrender to what his will is? And that's what Elizabeth did, to trust God's plan instead of being bitter. Because she kept praying. She kept praying. Your persistent prayers have been answered. Now the second wise woman, and we're going to go more quickly here, is Mary. We're so familiar with the story of Mary, who at the age of probably 15, imagine that, Gabriel visits her and tells her, you're going to be pregnant. She was a wise woman. She says, ah, I'm a virgin. I can't be pregnant. And when she heard this word, she was fearful. Can you imagine the scandal that was looming in the imagination of her mind? How is she going to ever tell her parents? How is she going to relate the message that Gabriel gave to her to those that she knew and loved? To go to mom and dad and say, I, I know that I'm engaged to Joseph, but I'm pregnant and the daddy is God. I think they were probably ready to, to consign her to an asylum. Mary, you've lost your mind. But she knew the reality of what she experienced because the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And she felt that life that entered into her womb was the seed of God. Becoming the Emmanuel who was to be born. And so this fear that overtakes her and these thoughts and imaginations that are running wild... The angel says to Mary, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. 
And when we know that nothing is impossible with God, we can confront our fears. When we know that nothing is impossible with God, regardless of the challenge, the challenges that we're facing in life, we could face them because we understand that our God is greater. Our God is bigger than any problem. Our God is the God who could open the waters of the Red Sea so that the children of Israel go through on dry land. And you say, well, pastor, that's in the Old Testament. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he will do today, and he can do tomorrow. Because he's the unchanging God. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He never changes. And so Mary confronted her fears with the truth of God's word. That's what we need to do. When fear knocks at our door and says, oh, brother, you've had problems and challenges in life, but what you're facing right now, this is going to put you under. No, it ain't. And I don't usually use bad grammar, but I did that to get a point across. No, it ain't. It will not overtake you because God is on your side and if God be for you who or what can be against you the truth of God is Mary God loves you so she started saying to herself God loves me God chose me God is with me nothing is impossible with God okay I can handle this and Christian friend you can handle whatever it is that is coming into your life and so her response at this point now to the angel is, Behold, look at me, lowly Mary. I am the handmaiden of the Lord, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She surrenders without reservation. I don't know how I'm going to talk to mom and dad. How am I ever going to tell this to Joseph? I'm going to trust God. Let it be. Sometimes we, we try to bargain with God, don't we? God, I, I, could, I could follow this far, but you're asking me to go this far? Ah, sorry. Be because our feeble minds are trying to rationalize how we're going to make it through. And God is going to say, just close your eyes. Get in the trunk of the car. I'm driving, and I will get you to the destination that you need to arrive at. Because faithful is he who begun a good work in you, who will perform it even unto the day of Jesus Christ. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. See, wise people will always say, God, whatever you want from my life, I'm yours. I surrender to you. So she overcame her fears in the face of change, and she chose to believe. Now we come to the third wise woman in the story of Christmas. Her name is Anna. I love the story of Anna. It's filled with pathos. When you think that it, practically a newlywed would lose the love of her life after only being married for seven short years. And in those days, girls got married around 15, 16. So if she was married at that age and only lived with her husband for seven years, she was 23 years old when she became a widow. I mean, 23 years old? My daughter wasn't even married at 23 years old. I was starting to worry, Sheree, are you going to find a man? <laughs> but poor Anna, filled with grief. No doubt it was some kind of 
unexpected death. He wasn't sick. She didn't marry him when he was, when he wasn't sick when, when they married. And here she is when Luke tells us the story. She's been a widow for 60 years, over 60 years. And what did she do with that grief? She redirected it. In the face of devastating loss, she did not sit and cry in her soup and say, for the rest of my life, so, like some of the old Italian women, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and when there was a death, those women would dress in black from head to toe for one whole year. And some of them for the rest of their life. They just could not deal with the grief. And that's the way they just mourned and mourned and mourned and expressed it publicly by wearing black. But I said, I'm not going to wear black all my days. God allowed this to happen for a purpose and I'm going to redirect my grief and my loss and I'm going to consecrate myself wholly unto the Lord. And the Bible tells us that what did Anna do? She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. A lifelong commitment to praying and fasting. Wow. You know, I know we're taken up with Christmas, but my mind is already, I, I know Christmas gets over quickly, and then we're in January, and guess what happens in January? A 21-day fast. And some of us, ah, how am I going to do this 21-day fast? You know, Jesus went without food for 40 days. And we're saying, try to do a Daniel fast for 21 days. Just change your eating habits. Don't eat those things that you luxuriate and take pleasure in because they're just adding calories to you. And you can be healthier after 21 days. Of course, I'm kidding, but the, the serious note that I'm, message that I'm trying to get across here is we dread this 21-day fast sometime. And here's Anna for over 60 years. She fasted more food than she ate. Of course, she had to eat. You have to sustain your existence. But her life was about living a fasted life lifestyle some of us what can i eat when can i eat how much can i eat when can i get my favorite food how can i just keep enjoying this do you ever go to a smorgasbord i like to i like to recommend a great smorgasbord it's in lancaster it's called shady maple it's the biggest one in the whole country but when kathy and i go there we just get really disappointed because especially now as we're getting older we fill our plate once and we're full. <laughs> but do you know why Anna was so satisfied? Because she was feasting at the banqueting table that God set for her because she gave herself to living in communion and fellowship with him. Do you know there's something that happens when we're in communion and fellowship with God, especially when we intensify that communion and fellowship through fasting, through denying ourselves, through saying, Lord, uh, you mean so much to me that I'm willing to skip a meal. You mean so much to me and I'm so hungry for you, more hungry for you than I am for that cheesecake. And I'm going to seek your face. And the Lord is going to delight your soul in fatness. 
that at the end of 21 days, you're going to say, I, I wish this thing isn't coming to an end because the Lord is revealing himself to me in such special ways. I feel the nearness of his presence. I have such clarity. I'm getting revelation from God. That's what happens when you fast. Anna gave herself to that. She redirected her sorrow and she received the greatest reward because one day when she was just going about her devotion and consecration to God, she overheard a conversation. She saw Simeon, another gentleman who just heard from God because he walked with God, who said, Simeon, you're not going to see death until you see Messiah. And when he saw that baby come in with Mary and Joseph, God opened his eyes, this is he. And Anna heard that conversation. <laughs> this is what she's been praying for over 60 years. God, send your Messiah. God, bring the, the king of glory to this earth so that everything that is wrong in this world can be righted. And I know that the Jews had the idea that Jesus would come to this earth and set up an earthly kingdom. But his kingdom was not of this world. But he did come to set up his kingdom in our hearts and in our lives so that even though we're living in a messed up, upside-down world, we could live an upside-right life as we're living in the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus came. And that's what he's called each and every one of us to live for and to live unto. Anna was blessed because she made a decision that when she was confronted with a life-changing changing loss, instead of wallowing in grief and in sorrow, she would set her gaze on Jesus. And so we have before us this morning three wise women of Christmas. Each of them had their own unique heartache and challenge. Elizabeth Barron, unable to have a child, Mary, pregnant, outside of wedlock, gripped with fear for an uncertain future, and Anna facing loss and a life of widowhood. Elizabeth had every reason to become embittered. Mary had every reason to fear. Anna had every reason to grieve. But they all made wise choices, godly decisions. And we all need to ask ourselves today, will we trust God's plan instead of becoming bitter because God hasn't answered a certain prayer? He hasn't brought to pass something that we were expecting or wanting to happen in our lives? Will you choose to believe the truth of God's word instead of that challenge that is making you fear and anxious and upset and losing sleep and developing ulcers? No longer able to wear a smile because it's a weight that's weighing you down? You know, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but what did, what did the word of God say? Cast all your care. Get that burden off and put it on the burden bearer. He wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to walk in joy. He wants us to walk in peace. And that's what Christmas is all about. The gifts of Christmas, we can walk in love. We can walk in peace. We can walk in joy, regardless of who hates us regardless of who treats us bad, regardless of the bad circumstances that have come into our lives. Because Jesus 
makes us more than conquerors because we're living in his kingdom. And so will you choose to focus on God's presence and say, Lord, in the face of grief, in the face of sadness, I'm going to redirect it toward you. Uh, draw near to God, the Bible says, and he will draw near to you. See, what we do in those times, we, we distance ourselves. We turn around and we turn our back on God. And when God is saying, I'm wooing you to myself, this, this difficulty is not meant to defeat you. This difficulty is meant to elevate you. It's meant to promote you. It's meant to bless you. It's meant to, to give you a blessing that you will not even be able to contain. But we need to respond in the right way. We need to make wise decisions. So let's bow our heads as we close in a word of prayer and say, Father, this morning, we want to trust your plan. And I pray, God, that if there's anyone here today who is in deep disappointment because of delayed answers to prayer, that you would remind them that your delays are not denials, but you have a better blessing in store. So, God, we wait on you. I pray today that you would increase the faith of your children today. That instead of looking at their fears, they would look at the truths of your word. That we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. We thank you that every promise in your word is yes and amen. So we let go of our fears and we lay hold of your promises today. That you are a God who cannot fail and that you will never leave us and never forsake us, but you will be faithful to see us through every challenge in life. And we pray today that you would help us to refocus and to direct all of our emotions and energies and resources onto you, for there is great reward when we seek you with all of our hearts. So make us, Lord, as we come to the close of this year, make us a people who will seek you and love you and put first things first to love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. For we thank you, Lord, that you have such blessing in store for all of your people. And so we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the message of Christmas that Jesus has come to bring us into his kingdom, that we might walk as children of light and live a life of victory, of blessing, of peace, grace, joy, and love. We thank you for it. Seal this word to our hearts today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Let's thank God for his word this morning as we stand.